0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 14 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall, and this is a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. We've got a really, really exciting episode for this one. I think you're going to love it. What we've done in this episode is something very different to any previous episode we've done before. We've captured the sounds of Summit, The ICB team and its valued members across Australia have been engaging together for the the month of March at various events. And for many, unfortunately, of you listening in, you may not have been able to attend. So what we did was we went round and we caught and captured the sounds of Summit for you to sit back and enjoy and perhaps look forward to in a future event, uh, in 12 months' time perhaps, or even earlier, where you can come together and network. We just wanted to grab those sounds, and we think we've come up with something special. We've got some uh, uh, interviews with people right on the spot, but we've just tried to capture what we're calling out, the sounds of Summit. And also in this episode, we thought it really appropriate to engage with somebody who... uh, kind of has been a part of this year's summit round and uh, so I had a chance to sit down and have a great conversation with uh, a gentleman that many of you have met or have come across in the past, Trent McLaren, who is very much the man on the spot and the head of strategic channels for DiviPay and uh, it's a fantastic interview, we unpack a lot of things and in particular his incredibly growing passion for the bookkeeping community and his acknowledgement of the amazing people that make it up. Um, And we also talk a little bit about Latvia, of all places, and what's happening uh, in the bookkeeping and accounting space over there and some uh, funny stories of of recent trips that he's had to Latvia. So let's uh, sit back, let's enjoy the sounds of Summit 2022. I think you're going to love this one.
1: What, team <laughs> what
0: happens at summit stays at summit. Oh, you know uh, okay, uh, also, that, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm recording this for the uh, podcast, so. Uh, uh, anyway, are, we talking, are we talking
1: footy
0: today? We can talk whatever you like for at summit, <laughs> as long as what happens at summit stays at summit. What is it that you love about being here today?
2: Um, I always walk away from here learning something. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, oh, every hope, single year. Hopefully, still.
0: today's not the first time you say, I didn't have that. that didn't no, happen. no, I definitely yeah. won't be. No, I've
2: been to a good, I
1: reckon, eight of them. So, I reckon I'll, it's not going to be today. Right, <laughs> okay. I, Yeah, I always like meeting people too. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think yep. I always find someone new that I haven't met. Yep. And, like Pauline just said, something that I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, lady.
0: Yeah. Face to face, we, we are back. How good's that? It's great to be here. Do on, want to lift that one up. Absolutely, it's fantastic. My name's Rob Marshall. For those who don't know me, Thank that was Amanda Bivin, our ICB CEO. And again, welcome to the Australian Bookkeepers Summit 2022, and proudly brought to you by the ICB. Rob, well, as well. Being professional in your delivery, whichever it is. And remember, you do not have to be everything to everyone. Just because somebody asks you to do it does not mean you need to do it. So we're here at uh, the ICB Summit, and I'm with Daniel West from MyOB. Daniel, great to have you joining us on uh, our podcast. Uh, what, what's, great to see you, Rob. What's, uh, what's the attraction in being here today? So, as you know, MYB has had a, uh, a very long um, uh, partnership with the bookkeepers across uh, Australia and New Zealand, and uh, that is
1: a uh, that is a community and an ecosystem that we want to continue to foster and strengthen, uh, because that we believe, you know, by making sure that the bookkeeping community. Is uh, uh, able to use our solutions effectively as possible. They're going to be able to help their
0: customers be even more successful, especially as they uh, continue on the digitization journey uh, that uh, has now become, uh, you know, with the budget last night, yeah. uh, has now become a and uh, and an, an, they should be now very motivated to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daniel, we want to thank you because uh, NYOB are a huge supporter of ICB and this event uh, runs with the support of of the likes of yourselves. So thank you for investing with us today I'm also with Leanne Berry, who's one of our uh, faves from the ICB. Leanne has literally done the whole journey. This is uh, the last day of Summit and, uh, yes, she's quite happy about that. Tell us about your journey around Australia so far, Leanne.
1: Oh, Rob, look, it's just been amazing for NYOB to get back in front of our partners and the ICB members because, you know, the the two years in the wilderness and apart, you know, just seeing the joy on on the members' faces to come back face-to-face and see colleagues they may not not have seen, engage with us and talk to us about MYOB and what we're doing has been absolutely fantastic. So I've enjoyed every minute of the full four or five weeks that I've been on the road with ICB. Do
0: we know how many K's you've clocked
1: up? Uh, No, but if you look at our MYOB Pulse uh, blog Pulse next week, I'm doing an ICB summit by the numbers, so I'm going to wrap up how many flights, how many attendees, how many steps I've Brilliant. done, how many flight of stairs, how many gins I've drunk, yeah. you know, all of that sort of thing. So it'll be a wrap up. Um, we've done a weekly series unpacking a yep. lot of the, the content that um, the ICB has been delivering. Yep. So if anybody wants to see what we've been doing on the road for the last month, they can have a look at the blog posts that we've got up on our, our blog post at NYAB.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the summit. Hey, Thank you, thanks, Rob. Rob. We're at the morning tea break, and uh, I'm with Sandra and Anna, who are two members, two highly valued members of the ICB. Hello, Sandra. What are you enjoying about the summit so far today? Well,
1: I just love the fact that I'm out and about and meeting people, um, the face-to-face interaction, and just yeah, networking and just you know getting people's stories and and where they're coming from.
0: And we love the fact that you're loving being here <laughs> with us, Sandra. So it's great, and Anna. You're a veteran, are
1: you, of yes, these events? I'm a veteran. Yeah, this a veteran? is my 10th. 10th? I think. Oh, yes. Okay, yep. so yes. What, what is
0: it that keeps bringing you back to Summit?
1: It's just a it's an annual refresh and a, um, getting out and meeting people and um, just learning new ideas and what's going on in the world, I think, is a really important thing. And getting you out of the office. Uh, I'm a sole trader. I can tend to be in my cave and never come out yeah.
0: of <laughs> I think you're uh, you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah. How good is it to get out of the cave after 2 years oh, of being? Oh, absolutely. Stuck in
1: yes. There? Well, I got out of Tasmania too. That's there the other know. thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't call out that we love our Tasmanian <laughs> member friends, you know. I'm from Western Australia, so uh, you know you can have a crack at WA if you <laughs> like. That.
3: Yes, yeah. we yeah. love WA
0: too. <laughs> Hey, ladies. Thanks Thank for you. joining us on the podcast today. We're here at Morning Tea. Um, i with Damien Gooden from HR Central. Damien, you're another valued partner of uh, the ICB. You've been travelling around, a bit like uh, the, the interview we just done with Leanne Berry. What, what's, been, uh, what's the joy of coming on Summit with ICB?
2: Mate, after two years in lockdown in Melbourne, seeing people in the third dimension is pretty impressive. Um, smiling faces. Uh, the best thing for us is having our current
0: partners come and say, hey, we love working with you. Uh, And when they drag their friends along and say, hey, these are the people that we've been talking to, and you you can't do that in Zoom. Uh, So to do that in real life has been great. Yeah, and just to feel the buzz in the room, especially, I'm guessing, for Melbourneites, uh, just to be able to see, I was in Hardware Lane last night and the place was absolutely heaving. So it's just so good to see Melbourne in particular getting back to where it was and and hopefully... uh, better times ahead. Mate, there's no doubt technology's helped us all get through, but we need people to to thrive. So we've survived, but now we need to thrive and these sorts of events will bring people together. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm here with one of the absolute legends of the ICB. Uh, He's a life member, John Burse. John, uh, I'm reckoning you've probably been to just about more summits than most. What keeps you what well, keeps bringing you back all these years now?
2: Well, actually, there's a number of things, Rob. I mean, it's it's, it's catching up with old friends, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think a lot of it is being inspired again by the keynotes. And uh, again, uh, with uh, with Matthew's address and yours on cyber security, it's all pretty heavy stuff. Mm. But it it inspires us to to keep doing what we do as bookkeepers.
0: Yes. And yes. Staying professional. Absolutely. Do you have recollections of your first ever ICB summit?
2: Uh, Yes, actually, I was thinking the other day that, um, uh, with Helen, Helen and, uh, I went up with Helen and uh, um, Matthew, and we couldn't find accommodation in Sydney, Uh, (laughs) so we were looking around for accommodation in Sydney. And uh, yeah, just the the stories. Because again, I've been on you know, both sides of the conferences. Yes, yep. As and a
0: speaker and as a as a somebody yeah, in the crowd. Yeah, just yep. great
2: with the team. Yep. Uh, going around and getting to know the the, the individuals, and um, uh, going out to places like Darwin and mm-hmm. Cairns and and, mm-hmm. and West Australia. Yeah, I mean, just fabulous catching up with all the various people, and the culture of ICB is really very strong. It is. And uh, but the the members love love seeing you know the. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the team and uh, we've got such a great team.
0: And I yeah. think that's the thread that's coming through today. Everybody we talked to, they're just pleased to be back again. It's been such a long journey these last couple of years. And so, as you're called out to be back face-to-face, that's the joy in it all. And then the ability to engage with the with the information that we're providing today is, is just uh, an added bonus, I reckon. So yeah. well, uh, the,
2: the pity is, again, that my frustration is that bookkeepers still aren't being rewarded yeah. for the work they do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now with the extra cybersecurity threat, it's yep. terrible to hear of... Uh, you know, the, the, the frustrations deb's gone through yep. and to have to bear all that responsibility and cost yep. still provide 100% service to clients yep. but still not be earning. Yep. Uh, the, you know, it should be 150 bucks an hour effective hourly rate is what we should be getting and I think we're a long way away from that unfortunately. Well,
0: John, you're an absolute icon of uh, of this uh, of these hallowed walls. Uh, thanks for joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper today. Thanks, mate. And I've got Diane and Pooja with me, and we're really excited because we just had some amazing food, Diane. You're still gnawing on that chicken bone?
1: I want to gnaw and just gnaw (laughs) away to get every single little piece of that chicken in my belly.
0: How good is the food at at Summit? It's absolutely sensational. Pooja, is this your first Summit? Yes. Yes. Enjoying it?
1: Yes, last year was online, Uh thanks to COVID, but it's lovely. It's good to meet people finally, put faces to names you've heard for years. Yeah.
0: So what food were you eating online this time last year? Was it a sandwich? Or oh, yeah, a...
1: maybe a ham and cheese sandwich yeah. <laughs> with kids yelling at the background and going mute every five
0: seconds. <laughs> so already you've got had a win, haven't you? The food here has been oh, it's sensational. amazing. Um, yep.
1: Waiting to dig on the desserts because they looked
0: yummy. I know, <laughs> the desserts out there, for the listeners who are tuning in, You have. To, I wish you could see these things, but we'll get one and we'll let Diane unpack it as she looks <laughs>
1: out. He won't have any bones in it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, we're still at lunch and uh, we've just enjoyed a magnificent meal. I see uh, Josie and uh, Pralisha are uh, tucking into a nice-looking chocolate cake right now. Uh, Josie, uh, you're representing Zero here today? Uh, what what do you love about the uh, about uh, being here at the summit and being able to meet a, a lot of other people?
1: It's actually been really interesting coming because I've not been to an ICB summit before. Oh, well, um, welcome. Thank you, and um, having a chat with some of the bookkeepers, but also the varying bookkeepers because we've yeah. got some that are BAS agents and some that aren't. So we've had some really interesting conversations about how. Um, both partners, both customers can still work with Zero, and they're giving me some ideas to take back. Ah, great. So, so yes, it's a two-way
0: street. Yes. yes. It's not all win for the bookkeeper, it's a win for Zero as well to get yes. that feedback. So, and with yep.
1: the venue, ICB and um, the venue have put on an amazing spread of food.
0: And the food is just <laughs> sensational. Yes. And I see the ladies here are... Uh, Keeping people warm by giving away socks or hand mittens, maybe? I don't know which one. Socks? So socks have
1: definitely been popular. Um, It's a bit of an odd one, but definitely a popular choice. And we've
2: had lots of people coming and collecting them.
0: Well, good on you, ladies. Thank you for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And most of all, we appreciate you joining us on Heart of the Bookkeeper today. Thank you. And all the best for the rest of today.
1: Thanks for having us. Cheers.
0: We're still at lunch and we've got Amanda here from Centrepoint Patron Services. Amanda, welcome to our podcast. You've uh, been the uh, instigator behind this magnificent spread that we've just had. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that comes about?
1: Well, actually, Carmel picks out the menu. She went through and picked out the selections and looking at all the food, it's been fabulous. The comments have been amazing.
0: I'm still to make it to the chocolate cakes. I'm hoping there'll still be one or two left over. Oh, there's a couple there, so they look
1: beautiful. (laughs) But everybody's having a fabulous time.
0: And the the event itself, you know, you felt it's uh, gone really well. It's
1: running really smoothly. Everybody's happy. As a staff, it's been an easy event to run. No no, no demanding customers here, which is what we love.
0: And for you, I suppose it's been a long time coming because you've had, uh, you know, this period here in Melbourne where we haven't been able to do such things, have we? That's right. We've missed
1: being It's good to be back to see people and seeing the expressions on people's faces getting together after such a long time.
0: Joining us on the podcast at lunchtime is the Dancing Kate from Divvy Pay. If you've been here over the last couple of days like I have, every time we walk out into the main auditorium... Kate is doing some sort of move. Uh, do you have a name for the move you do,
2: Kate? Um, it's called busking for business cards. <laughs> I
0: love it. So what have you enjoyed about the opportunity to meet members and uh, invest in uh, the opportunity here at the summit.
2: Look, it's been great to see everyone interacting, seeing people in the real world, not being on a Zoom call, being able to use my big arm movements as I explain yes. how great Debbie Pay is, but just really being able to connect with everyone and see everyone looking happy and out of the house.
0: So you've been able to go to Sydney as well, to our event in Sydney?
2: Yes, went to yep. the Sydney event as well. Um, we've been uh, checking out which had the best food. I was just
0: going to say, <laughs> come on, give us a rating you know, out of 10 I've, I've for
2: got Sydney to and Melbourne. Say, uh, Sydney's food was about an 8, but I I think the dessert today has pushed Melbourne to a town. Uh, yeah,
0: so that's where I'm heading. I'm trying <laughs> desperately to get there. I see our uh, event coordinator, Carmel Wright, currently uh, yeah. about to partake, so I might head over there. Kate, we're uh, really thrilled that yeah. Divvy Pay is joining us not only here today but also on our podcast, Heart of the Bookkeeper. And I can see you've got a great heart, Kate, So, and I love your dance moves as well. So thanks <laughs> Thank for joining you. Thanks us.
2: Thanks for having us. Cheers.
0: We've got the lovely Jeanette joining us on the podcast. How are you, Jeanette? Are you enjoying the day so far? I
1: am actually. Yeah, it's what? nice to come to Melbourne and see people that I've known for years, and it's also nice not to have too many people here.
0: It, it, well, that's one of the things, it's isn't it? Of space. We, we've got we've got a, a, a nice crowd because it's not too big, mm. and the best bit I reckon is there's plenty of dessert still left oh. over, isn't it? How good's the dessert?
1: The food is amazing, <laughs> but so is the information, and that's why I come to. Conference to get the information, and I get information when I'm sitting there thinking about my clients that would work for them, and this would work for them. Whereas if you're going to get it emailed to you or sent to you, you haven't got time to read it. Yeah. So that's what I like. Fantastic, Janet,
0: you're uh, you're knocking it in spades for the podcast. So thank you for joining us today, and uh, we hope that you'll enjoy the rest of the day. I will. Cheers! (laughs) Enjoy that coffee. And as the sounds of Summit sink slowly under the horizon for another year, sadly, I thought it would be really great and somewhat appropriate to have a sit down and a chat with somebody who doesn't necessarily profess to be a bookkeeper as such, but certainly and currently has a heart for bookkeepers. Trent McLaren, welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper.
3: Thank you, Rob. It is fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me along.
0: So I'm going to I'm going tote out um, some uh, things about you and we might dig more deeply into them as we go through, but uh, just quietly, uh, Trent's uh, rap sheet includes such things as being the current CEO of From the Trenches, Real Life in Accounting. So we're going to unpack what that actually means as we go through today and uh, he is also the Head of Strategic Channels for Divi Pay. Now, that's the connection, obviously, that we've witnessed over the last month as uh, the sounds of Summit or just Summit itself has, has been rolling around. We're going to dig into that a bit more as well. But he's also the Accountant's Daily Accounting Thought Leader of the Year. I'm really interested in that one. And probably the one that I most want to dig into is there's no issue. He's a renowned public speaker, including gigs of recent years through Europe, and in particular, a speaking gig in Latvia. I really want to get into that one. That's got me totally intrigued. But that's where we're heading, plus plenty more. Trent, you've um, just spent the last best part of the last month uh, traipsing around Australia following the ICB Summit. Uh, first of all, how, how has that gone for you?
3: Firstly, uh, I've loved getting back on to the ICB Summit. I' Not my first ICB Summit. It's been a few years, obviously, with pandemic and living overseas and just coming back from London, but I've loved it. It's been really good. And the part I've enjoyed the most is actually seeing and meeting members that I met two, three, four years ago and meeting them again in the same city uh, and just catching up, like, how are you going? What are you up to? And uh, funnily enough, I had memories of people that said, you know, I had this goal or this dream, something they wanted to go and do. And they came back to me and said, Trent, you remember we had that chat this time? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they come back and said, yeah, well, I've done it. I finally launched it. I launched this big business. We're doing this thing. And I'm like, that's so cool. I feel like I've been able to fast forward on uh, all those conversations from years ago, because obviously you know not had contact since, uh, it's been fantastic both for personally for Divi Pay as a, as a new business in the accounting and bookkeeping space. We've had a really good time. It's 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 been really fruitful on a number of levels, but no, we've loved it. Fantastic.
0: Well, we'll get, we're already getting into some deep weeds there that I'd want to examine even more as we we have a chat today. I'm absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to catch up with you, by the way. Uh, but we have a little bit of a, a thing happening, certainly in uh, uh, season two. We're into season two of Heart of the Bookkeeper already, believe it or not. Uh, we've started a new tradition that I call opening and closing balances. Now, obviously, we keep the theme very bookkeeping. So, opening balances is is three quick questions. You can as long as you like to answer them, whatever you want to do. So first question, mate, of our opening balances, we'll start with these and then at the back end of the session we'll obviously, like all good bookkeepers, rule off the ledger and get come up with some closing balances.
3: So uh, first, first opening balance, where were, you, where were you born? I was born in Fitzroy in Melbourne. So I was born in Fitzroy before Fitzroy was cool, um, <laughs> back in the 80s and, uh, yeah, Fitzroy, Melbourne. Fitzroy is cool now. Uh, Now, look, I I can't say I've
0: been there of recent times, but I did attend an MYOB conference way back where I've got to tell you, Fitzroy um, was rocking at about 3 o'clock in the morning and I think it's about the only time I've ever um, – well, it was my debut effort at uh, karaoke in a bar in Fitzroy and it was, yeah, one heck of a lot of fun. (laughs) What
3: What a place to debut karaoke. Yeah, yeah, no, like I said, wasn't uh, wasn't that cool in the 80s. It's uh, very hip and uh, popular these days. So, uh, yeah, born in Fitzroy, uh, grew up in the country. So after my mum and dad were in the Air Force, uh, for my mum for 30 years, my dad was in there for five or ten before then doing the police force for 35 uh, years and we moved out into East Gippsland, a small little country town called Yarrigan, the closest city being Warragul, um, which I grew up in terms of high school, primary school, uh, all of my sporting country kids. We love playing sport. That's all we did. And uh, yeah, eventually I made the decision. I wanted to leave the country, move to a bigger city. And this is where I ended up moving to Canberra. And my my Actually, I, I've lived in most parts of Australia these days. So, yeah, I'm, whether you want to unpack that further or not. But, yeah, born in the city, grew up in the country.
0: Well, I'd, I actually do want to unpack that because second question you our opening balances that, I, that I've got here for you is we all – so you're a classic example. You've moved around a little bit over the journey, you know, born in Fitzroy, of course. In my case, I grew up, as a lot of the listeners have heard me say a few times now, I grew up in a little country town in Western Australia called Harvey. I haven't lived there, physically lived there now for the best part of uh, 30 years or more. Um, But that's where I still call home. You know, if somebody says to me, where are you from, Rob? I go, I'm from Harvey. Um, Where where do you say you're from when somebody asks you, where are you from?
3: So if I'm talking to someone that doesn't understand Victoria at all, then I will say East Gippsland or um, Warragul, because that's the major city that most people will be across. But if people are familiar with Victoria, I'll always say Yarrigan because that was the 400-person town I grew up in. Yeah, uh, my mum and dad bought their their kit house home for probably a hundred grand back in the 90s, and I think these days it's closer to a, a mill because they're on half an acre. So yeah, uh, which beautiful is you know I, unbelievable when I think about. Bloody house prices and properties and so forth.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it's uh, that they want to hang on to that, and hopefully you might uh, get a piece of that one day yourself. So, <laughs>
3: yeah, okay, look, I actually uh, tell them to not worry about me. But I'm like, you do what you need yeah. to do with it. Um, if if there's anything left over at the end, cool. But no. You live your life because I'm definitely trying to live mine, so.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. So final opening balance before we start to get into some more uh, sort of uh, serious stuff you might say. Not that this isn't serious. This is really good. Um, you've travelled a lot. I can see that. I can see you've travelled extensively and you've already called out, you know, many travel, uh, trips and conferences and stuff like that.
3: If you were to name a favourite place in Australia, where would it be and why? It's a good question because when I think about all the places I visit, I just did this then, I'm like, what's my favourite city? And I had to recollect, well, when I go to Perth, I love going to do this. I lived in Canberra for seven years, so whenever I go to Canberra or I get the opportunity to go to Canberra, I'm like, oh, I want to go to my favourite restaurants and coffee shops and see if we got – my wife and I got married in Canberra, so there's a lot of memories there. If I'm visiting Sydney, I'm going to my Sydney restaurants, and you'll learn very quickly everything resol- revolves around food, music and good times, so uh, – I- it's hard to pick one city because I love, like, we went to Hobart, right? Start of the summit. I loved going to Hobart because that's a place that I have a lot of memories of travel, particularly for work. But it's the weather, it's the whiskey, it's the produce. It's, you know, <laughs> Adelaide is the same thing. I love going to Adelaide for all the same reasons. Um, I would say, because of my background and probably the amount of time I've spent, I'd probably default to, like, yeah, I'll go and do the Canberra trip or I'll go and do. The Hobart trip, like those, stick out to me because of those things. Yep. Um, yep. But I, I'd be better off giving you a top five. I think I don't know if I could drill yeah. for one because <laughs> I don't stick around in one for too long either. If you know what I mean, I'm like I'm there and then I'm off to the next one. So wherever the yeah, food nah, really. and the wine and the whiskey is good, I'm uh, I'm happy to attend.
0: No, I reckon you, you've done very well there. You've uh, you haven't alienated anybody across Australia because you've pretty much uh, yeah. you've named your top five. So that's very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it out. I, I must admit, I'm I've only been two or three times over my lifetime, but I do enjoy Hobart. Yeah. I love Hobart. I think it's a great little city, and yeah. uh, I look forward to going there every chance I've got
3: even road trips across uh, Launceston to Hobart or Cradle Mountain. I've done public speaking gigs in Cradle Mountain with, um, oh, I can't remember, it was one of the industry bodies back in the day, one of the accounting ones. I've done, yeah, road trips up and down WA from Perth down to Margaret River to Busselton, uh, Cairns, Alice Springs, uh, Hunter Valley, uh, Newcastle, Wollongong, Batemans Bay, like, yeah, Wherever there's a book yep. or an accounting, I, like a T group, or a, I've been to most of them. Um, I, that was how I got started in my role. I actually used to go to the ICB member groups in my local. So the first one I went to was Sutherland, so in the Shire. And I used to go every month, not just because I was, you know, working for a software company trying to make sales. It was actually the best way for me to learn more about the industry. And I made really good friends from the people that I met at that particular um fortnightly, monthly morning tea club, I forget. The, the, the uh,
0: the network network meetings. Network meetings, yeah. yeah. So yes. and then
3: once that worked so well, I was like, actually, I'm going to go to more of these. It's a really good way to meet people. So I ended up going to then Hornsby. I went out to Western Sydney. Anytime I was visiting another city and there was an ICB network meeting running, I was like, oh, do you guys mind if I drop in? I'd love to come and say hello and, and meet some people. So my experience with ICB spans a fair way back, but it actually helped mm. me become the employee I am today in all the other companies I've been in because I shaped those relationships and learned what it meant to be a bookkeeper and a bass agent uh, by attending these network meetings.
0: So, well, good, good segue. So let's get into how that came into play in the first place, so your teenage years, sort of growing up semi-rural, um, where where did you land, you know, occupation-wise fairly early on that's now starting to define where you are now, perhaps?
3: Yeah, good, good, uh, good question. So, I was one of those kids that didn't like high school. I uh, played a lot of sport. I finished my VCE, Victorian Certificate of Education, so your HSC or the equivalent, um when I got my email, this was when emails were fairly new still, I got my email to say, hey, your score is available, you know, click on the link, bring up the website and it says, hey, your VCU score's here. However, it's under 30. Do you want us to reveal the final number? Because a lot of people go like, oh, I'm too embarrassed, I don't want to see it. And in yeah. my head I'm like, oh, well stuff it, we've come this far, let's just see where we landed.'" And the number was something like 22 out of 100. It was pretty low. Like, you, I think, for turning up to the exams, I got points, and that's what contributed to my 22. Getting my name spelt correctly got points. I think that was also part of it. <laughs> but I, I finished high school with a terrible um, VCE score, and I had no intention of going to university or anything like that. So, my first step out of high, sc- uh, high school, was to go straight to work. I had nothing else to do. So I I went straight to work. So I worked in a, I used to play a lot of competitive basketball. So state league basketball until I was under 18. Once I was, when I was doing that, I was doing pastry chef. So I would work really late nights. I would do school Monday to Friday, uh, play basketball in Melbourne, Tuesday, Thursday, and then games on Friday. I'd come back Friday night about 11 PM, go to the bakery and do a midnight shift until about six, seven in the morning. I would then wake up four hours later and then go and play footy for my local club. And then I'd go and crash out and then probably go and hang out with friends again after that. Once I decided I wanted to move out of the country, not with any career aspirations, just to get out of where I was, um, a good friend of mine played football for North Melbourne. He was on their rookie list. And when he got dropped at the end of his first year, just through a variation of, not performing and, and couldn't quite get his groove, he uh, he had all these different offers to go and play all over Australia. It was go to Queensland, it was to go to New South Wales, to Canberra. And before he took the offer, he said, hey, why don't you come with me? Like wherever I go, just come and just figure it out. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I need something I'm trying to get out of here, not just because I can. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, he's going to pick somewhere good, right? It'll be like Queensland, the Gold Coast. It's going to be, you know, Adelaide and uh, he picked Canberra. So we ended up moving to Canberra and uh, this is what led me there in the first place and then I spent the next seven years living in Canberra. During that time, worked in retail, got learned how to speak to people, how to communicate. Uh, I was managing a general pants store, which is, uh, if anyone's familiar with general pants or um, urban outfitters, it's a very – trendy, lots of denim jeans, everyone asked me why I'm always wearing ripped jeans and boots and things and this stems from my retail experience of wearing um, nothing but Havana thongs, ripped jeans and uh, baggy t-shirts all the time. <laughs> so it's still, it's still with me today. Uh, when I was in Canberra though, I met my wife, uh, Melissa, who a lot of people, if they know me, know that I speak about uh, lists pretty often. Um, She's fantastic. She's gorgeous. If if anyone's met her or seen her, they know that. And when I met Liz, I decided that I couldn't keep working in retail. Like I wanted to give up my weekends. I wanted to go and figure out what Monday to Friday was. We decided I proposed. We were engaged. I decided I needed to get a a real job was what I said in my head. There's nothing wrong with doing retail. It's a real job. But in my mind, I knew I wanted to do something bigger. And I always had that urge and drive to do something more but I never had the effort on school books and things to make that happen but it was very competitive being a sportsman so the first job I went for uh, actually got me to a company called eway e capital w a y now for anyone that's been around the ecosystem a little while they'll know eway was the first online payment provider that connected into first it was zero and then uh, I believe into MYB and Intuit at a later stage. Yep. But my yep. experience that that role, that job I took when I proposed to my wife, told her, told, then said we need to get real, you know real jobs, led me to the accounting industry, and I've been in the accounting industry ever since that decision. So a lot of the time I say it's actually my wife's fault that I'm in this industry. <laughs> I, uh, I'd still be in retail selling jeans otherwise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is fairly funny in itself but e-way was my stepping stone into bookkeeping accounting this is where um, I think it was 2011 Zero had 100,000 customers in Australia they had uh, a similar number in New Zealand they were very new in that stage uh, most people were still using MYB and Reckon at that stage uh, Intuit hadn't quite launched in Australia yet and I'd never worked on tele-sales or phone calls before. I my first two months at Eway, sorry, I started at Eway, and in within three weeks I got Bell's palsy. My yeah. face Gee. completely dropped on the left hand side. I mm. think I, I think we look back. I was stressed. I'd been working a lot of hours in retail. I didn't have a break between jobs. I went straight from one to the next. First two, three weeks, I got Bell's palsy, my face dropped, I was drooling out the side, my eye couldn't stop watering and I had to take three weeks off my job um, when I first started and it was really nerve-wracking because I just started, I was trying to make an impression, trying to do all these things, had to take three weeks off. Um, They still paid me even though I was off. Uh, and I had to come in once or twice because I wanted them to make sure. I'm like, guys, I promise I'm actually sick. I do want to come back. I'm having a great time. Please, like, you know, don't don't let me go sort of thing. And in my first two months of coming back, I broke two of their company records for sales, renewals, and conversions. And I'd never done this job before, right? Yeah. Um, and it all just kind of – what I learned from retail, I managed to carry to my tele because I knew how to speak face-to-face to people. So translating that to the phone was actually fairly easy to do because you could pick up on cues, you could do mirroring, you could do all those sorts of things. Um, but I was introduced to the accounting industry through that path, and my manager at that role helped me get my next job, which was with Intuit QuickBooks. And that's what then took me to Sydney. Okay, so yeah, no, I'll jump in at this point. So I
0: guess at this at this stage, you're starting to get a real understanding of the the bookkeeping, certainly the accounting bookkeeping space and you know, the the I'm guessing by now, at this stage, you're going, look, there's some opportunities here. There's things that I like, what I see. Uh, Obviously, zero at that point, as you mentioned, around that 2.11, 2.12 was really starting to find its wings and take off. Was it a case of you went hey, if I, if I keep working, you know, with these guys, these bookkeepers and, and, and accounting software in particular, I can see some real opportunities? Was it as clear then as, you know, perhaps as what it is now? Or were you just sort of fumbling along a little
3: bit? I mean, I was 23, 24 when this all kicked off. So I wouldn't say I was the smart, intelligent man I am today by any means. Um, because I'm still not that person either. But um, when I was at Eway, I would say it was definitely, you know, the company strategy was work with the accounting and bookkeeping because that was a great way to help identify more clients to use that particular software. When I moved to Intuit QuickBooks, I think that's probably where my appreciation for the industry was improved because I went back to -to face-to-face. I'd been two and a half years just on the phone, so we didn't really do any like Zoom calls or anything like that. Um, I could do a little bit of webinar stuff and that was okay, but um, Intuit was where this happened because I had, and this is where I started attending the the, the ICB networking meetings I mentioned before because that was part of my role. So, this was where I really uh, started to appreciate the role and the work that a bookkeeper plays and a bass agent plays with their small business clients because whenever I describe a bookkeeper to my team now because even at the DiviPay side, we've only been 12 months into the, this part of the industry, um, they didn't have the appreciation because they didn't understand but even my team now will say, hey, I didn't know how much work they put in to keep their business small business owners alive. Like nah. The bookkeeper is literally the person that rolls up the sleeves, digs in, Takes the phone calls, does the plays therapist, plays bookkeeper, plays <laughs> you know like sh- cry, uh, shoulder to cry on, like they're everything, and they're not getting paid for all that either, right? Because uh, you know if it's hourly rates, you you know you know how it goes. But um, yeah, I, my role at Intuit introduced me to bookkeeping. The networking meetings gave me the appreciation, and then I think joining all the road shows, which as mentioned, I've done a few times over, uh, has helped extend and form my relationship with the bookkeeping industry?
0: I think there's great insights there as to, uh, if I can put it this way, kind of an outsider looking in and and getting an appreciation and an understanding of of the bookkeeping community throughout Australia. I mean, for many of us, uh, those of us inside the bookkeeping community, we've known all that you've called out for our whole lives, you know, or in a lot of cases for as long as we've been doing it. Um, I think there's, a, there's almost a certain sense of relief when somebody like yourself goes, hey, I, I now get what these guys are about and get get really what they do and how they do it and the passion they do it with. Um, there's There's been lots of call-outs through COVID about people working at Frontline and stuff like that and we celebrate that. You know, my wife's a nurse, so I absolutely celebrate it. But I, I've mounted the argument throughout COVID that to, you could make a case for saying bookkeepers have been right at the front line. We had to unpack JobKeeper. We, yeah, we had to yeah. unpack... All these things that most people were really struggling with but were an essential part of being able to survive the whole pandemic. So the,
3: the interesting thing for me about that is it's not even just JobKeeper. Every year there's something, right? It's like the goalposts change, yeah. the compliance changes, it's STP, it's STP two, it's uh you know, yep. it's always bloody bass time, like you yeah. know, every, you know, <laughs> it's monthly, it's quarterly, it's always there. So I think Uh, And, I mean, I spent a bit of time in London as well, right, so I had appreciation for how the bookkeeping industry runs here versus how it runs there. Uh, I think it's more intense here, if anything. Like, there's more regulations here. Um, The deadlines are more strict in Australia compared to in the UK. Uh, I actually do describe bookkeepers as the nurses of the accounting industry when I think about it, whereas the accountant uh, typically becomes the doctor in that scenario, which, you know, rightly or wrongly, because I think bookkeepers get a bad rap sometimes, right? Like they get stuck doing mm. the jobs that they may not want to do or, uh, you know, and yeah, anyway, there's that divide between the, the doctors and nurses yeah. that exist. I think that also exists sometimes uh, in the bookkeeping side.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly, they're, they're, and that's one of the things that we've, tried to address at the ICB, and that is that there traditionally has been a bit of a divide between, you might say, the accountant and the bookkeeper. Um, certainly, I don't believe there needs to be. I think there can be an amazing relationship, and those that have grasped that and work with that, I think, have potentially had the most success because 100%. there is... That okay. mo- most accountants will be the first. I no, can't say all, but most accountants will be the first to say that there's certain aspects that they don't get that bookkeepers do yep. when it comes to financial services. So I think it's a great call out. And certainly that, you know, that that difference between what happens overseas versus here, I think as we're starting to unpack that more in this podcast, we're starting to understand how significant Australian bookkeepers are to the financial services Scope of Australia.
3: I would actually say that the best there isn't a Bass Agent equivalent in other countries. So when you go to the UK, yeah. they don't have. Don't get me wrong. There's ICB in the UK, and they have a bookkeeping yes. group. A lot of those, and they're fantastic. People, of, they are fantastic. I've been to those yeah. as well, right? But a lot of yeah. those people are accountants that do bookkeeping services, or they're bookkeeping mm. um, that have tax agent like licensing, etc. They don't have the notion of a Bass Agent in go to the America same thing you're an accountant that does bookkeeping work or you do tax returns you don't just do bookkeeping and you're not um so I think the regulations in Australia actually create that divide between bookkeepers yes. accountants and tax agents and mass agents which is okay like that's it is just the way it is but that was definitely the most interesting piece I realized with all the travel that I uh started doing and understanding how different countries approach these scenarios all right. Well, so explain to me
0: what we've got from the trenches, real life in accounting, yep. and and Divi Pay. We, which one came first, or are they sort of uh, co-signed with each other? Or ha- explain a little bit about that.
3: So Divi Pay is my full time. If you you know, if you had to say nine to five, well, <laughs> wish I wish I wish it was nine to five. Um, yeah. my, my 9 to 5 Monday to Friday uh, joke, that's my, DiviPay is my, my gig and my role, so that's the new startup I've been working in for nearly 12 months. Um, I joined DiviPay on the back of coming back from London, so I was in London for two years with a company called Practice Ignition, recently rebranded to Ignition. Uh, they've sponsored ICB roadshows and summits before, yep. I know, because yep. I came on those roadshows and paid for that sponsorship, that was my, yeah. uh, that was my initiative to make it happen. Uh, So when I jumped into DiviPay, the founders of Practice Ignition is also an investor in DiviPay. So when I was coming back to Australia and having the discussions and, and trying to figure out what I want to do next, the suggestion was, hey, you should have a chat to the team at DiviPay. And another colleague of mine from the UK also just relocated back. She had just picked up a role with DiviPay, introduced me to the founders. I'd bounced it off with uh, Guy Pearson, so founder of Practitioners, said, hey, what do you think, what do you know? He said, smart team, really good momentum, really cool product. I think you'd do really well there if this was your focus. Uh, and it just kind of happened really quickly. I mean, it was a two, three-week, you know, we had a few chats, we went through a few things. I got to know each other a little bit better. And then I took the role with DiviPay and that was April, May last year. So nearly nearly 12 months and that's, as I said, that's my full-time gig. I do that um, Monday to Friday. From the Trenches, I do in my spare time, if you can believe there is any. And <laughs> From the Trenches started as a podcast five years ago. David Boyer and Paul Meisner started this podcast because they were, like most accounting bookkeepers, they have frustrations with the industry and, and good things to say as well. But it started from the frustrations of, And in a hope of how do we solve this? Who's talking about it if not our industry bodies? And they were frustrated in that space. If it was conference organizers, they were frustrated with that. They were frustrated with software vendors. It sounds like a big rant but if you do listen to the podcast, it's known as I guess the footy show for the accounting and bookkeeping industry. So they do a best and worst on-ground segment. Uh, They Mm -hmm. have a lot of fun and good banter. And after five years, it grew pretty popular. They're getting a couple of thousand downloads every uh, every month. Uh, they've started speaking in conferences and etc. My brand or what I'm really good at is helping brands go bigger in the accounting and bookkeeping space and global as well. So I've known David and Paul for a very long time. I was in the room at a conference when they decided to start the podcast. Uh, I've been named worst on ground quite a few times, believe it or not, <laughs> which, which makes it pretty fun. And then if you come full circle uh, because they have this love-hate relationship with software and marketers and it's basically everything I am, let's be honest, or, I, you know, who, who my role and career has been, uh, came full circle and said, hey, you know, we love what you do. You've done really well in your career. Is there an opportunity to help take from the trenches to the next level so that we can elevate the mission of what they wanted to achieve, which was to shine a light on the problems in the industry to help everyone else better themselves and progress forward right. it overlaps with my divi pay stuff in a little bit because my what we're doing at divi is to help bookkeeping accounting streamline uh spend management for small business and ultimately make the lives of business owners and their clients better trenches plays a big role in how do we help shine the lights on problems so there is a, a nice overlap that occurs every month or quarter or so which is good but that's that's how the two roles effectively came about so I've known david and paul a long time and they asked me the question last, uh, start of this year. And, uh, yeah, we, we played around with it a little bit, made sure we like each other enough to make this work. And, uh, so far so good.
0: Sounds absolutely fabulous. So if you haven't jumped on it already, folks, jump on the, uh, from the trenches podcast and, um, I think there would be some 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 assimilations within that that uh, would resonate with with uh, with our community. So make sure you do. And and uh, sounds to me, I certainly will, I, I have I wasn't fully aware of that journey. So I'll I'll definitely be jumping on being a bit of a a, a podcast nut myself. Um. So I just want to sort of backtrack a little bit the the Divi pay um, scenario that you found yourself um, fresh from London and and involved with. Divi Pay itself. Now, I'll be the first to admit we we discuss this. We're not going to make this an infomercial or anything for the member, for the listeners or whatever. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to call it out. We've we've recently implemented Divi Pay in our practice over here in Bunbury, and absolutely loving the journey so far. But maybe just give those listeners who are sort of like. Yeah, I kind of walked past the the uh, the stand at conference, but I didn't know at summit, and I didn't really, you know, have a look or not really sure. I hear a lot about this Divi pay. What's the essence of Divi pay? What what was the the gap in the market, or what was the thing that was identified for Divi pay to become what is fast becoming a really important process for in a bookkeeper's toolkit.
3: It's a really interesting one and I actually feel like it was the biggest thing that jumped out at me. I, and I said this when I looked at it the first time. I said bookkeepers are going to love this product. Uh, the two founders were used to work at Westpac, they're in the innovation lab building technology for the big banks. And the problem working in a big bank in that scenario is you don't always release what you build. You do the research, you build a prototype, but then it gets shelved because They've got bigger things to worry about and that wasn't really something to jump on. They got fed up and said, we can actually solve a problem for small business, let's go and do that and that was how DiviPay started. At the core of it, DiviPay helps provide services that you potentially could get through the bank except in seconds, not weeks. So when I need to go and set up a new company card, debit card, it takes me two seconds through DiviPay. It might take me two or three weeks for one card through the bank. Now, like we all know, there's scams, fraud, if that card is lost, if, uh, if uh, the card has expired, that team member leaves the business, it takes me forever to call the bank and say, hey, this has happened, I need you to do something. You've got wait times, you've got to, they've got to send you some paperwork, you've got to go into the branch to verify that you are who you say you are and they believe you before they then say, cool, here's your new card, you know, don't lose it or else you've got to do this all over again. The pain point we're solving is all of that because we can do all of that. We could have, I mean, we've been running for thirty minutes. We could have already set up your account, giving you a hundred dollars, and given that card to a hundred people, and deleted it five minutes later. So the speed and flexibility of self-service on key banking services that take you weeks, not seconds, is what DiviPay solves for. Company cards is our core product, but we also do bills, reimbursements, we look at the whole spending life cycle, we have all of our customers telling us, hey, you're giving us all this really cool data, how else can you help us control and spend our money in the ways that we want? And we're just following that journey of customer research and feedback. So in a nutshell, as best I can, that's the best way to think about
0: It's It's absolutely a revelation. It was a revelation for me when I got my head inside it. I'd only just come out the back end of an experience of trying to get a credit card Um, Now, in this case, it was for a sporting um, organisation, uh, an incorporated association. It was like pulling teeth. Seriously, it was the hardest thing I've just about ever done to get literally a credit card that we wanted a local sporting um, curator to buy... A ten dollar bag of nails at Bunnings once every three months. You know, it was just, it was such, it was, it was literally like pulling teeth. So, Pay come along, and I'm like, this, this is gold. And and for my own businesses, and I've got multiple businesses. Um, the the experiences I've been through with trying to get credit cards, or and or like you've called out, I have got one business where uh, the manager has uh, misplaced, you might say, the credit card twice now. To to get a replacement, you know, the disruption to your business, it's 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 really quite it's impactful. So hundred um, percent, yeah. So I, I think that that gap in the market or whatever you want to call it that DiviPay has addressed is crucial for financial services here in Australia.
3: I think the other piece on top of that I probably haven't touched on is that we, at the moment when you look at our, we call it the financial control stack, okay? So, we're looking at all the software that help us with spend management, expense management, approvals, procurements, payables. Tell me one system that does all of that and you won't be Mm. able to because you've got systems for expense management, systems for bills, simple, uh, but, um, software for approvals. You've got a bank account, nothing ties all these things together. And actually that's our real mission is how do we consolidate and combine this all into one system? And that is actually DiviPay. So you may not need to use an expense management and a bills and an approvals and uh, every, you, you get it all in DiviPay. It's all in one place. It's a safe haven for both you and your client to access an account that you have not just read-only access, right? Because most bookkeepers get read-only access for the client bank account and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that liability. I don't wanna be logging into my client bank account just to go and pay a bill or get a receipt or or a transaction line item or whatever. I can log into DbPay. I've got my own specific set of user permissions and I can't mess that up. So it provides this really cool safe haven between the bookkeeper and the accountant and the small business owner with the team members, right? Team members can log in and see their own budgets, upload their reimbursements and get paid out a reimbursement in the same day. We we talk about this concept internally of an interest-free loan is what a reimbursement is, right? My team member goes and spends the money and then we let them hold it for two to three weeks and I've got an interest-free loan on money they've spent for me, right? Why do we do that?
0: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, look, as I said, we um, we we de- on heart of the bookkeeper, we're more interested in the person than 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 anything else. I think what we're calling out here, though, is that you've clearly you you not only have seen an opportunity, but you've seen a uh, you've you've embraced a passion for something that is making an impact already in the Australian market. And uh, I'd encourage, you know, I won't, I won't get Trent to, uh, to, to push the barrow, but I will. Uh, I'd encourage our members to, to get their head inside this if they haven't, for the benefit of their clients. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to catch up with Trent and the team as they toted around the face-to-face events at ICB, you know, get get inside the web website, uh, reach out through your ICB membership, and I reckon uh, there's some real gains there for many members and the and the types of, uh, especially the a lot of the mums and dads businesses out there that are that this would be absolutely ideal for to, to, to invest in. It's just one of those things that if it's part of your bookkeeping toolkit when you go out to meet and greet with your clients, uh, you're value adding in a major way with this one in my opinion. Mate, uh, with your travels around over the last month, have you had any sort of interesting conversations or has it just been uh, great to meet with the members and have a chat?
3: It's been really good to obviously meet with the members and, and and have the chat. It's been really good to catch up with people that I've not seen for, for many, many years. Uh, I went to Hobart. I went to Cairns. I think Cairns was probably the memorable one. I caught up with uh, Andrea Lister who right. uh, is based in Sydney but I know took the weekend to go up to Cairns with her, with her husband. So fun story, Andrea nice. actually bought my leather lounge couches before we moved to London. So I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> And we were connected because we're in all the same groups and she came and had a look at the the couches and she actually purchased the couches. And I actually saw her in the airport the night before and I was like, I think that's Andrew. I haven't seen her for quite a long time. But when I last spoke to her, she talked to me about a dog, uh, an agility centre, but like basically a performance field for your dogs, your pets. Like you can bring your pets and they can do different uh, set courses. If you think about like a jungle gym, but for... She had this vision and passion for doing that uh, in her local area. And we spoke about this years ago, like when she'd come and, you know, purchase the couches, move the couches out. And and really, we haven't stayed too connected since then. And I've always wondered, I wonder how the couches were because I bloody love those couches. They were so nice. (laughs) And uh, two, I had this back in my head of like, I wonder if she ever got to go and do her thing. And when I saw her in Ken, she come up to me, she said, Tren, I did it. I'm, I did it. We launched it like literally a month or two ago, pulled out the pamphlet, showed me the thing. And I was like, you're kidding. And she did it. She said, wow. And told me this full story uh, about a lot that became available uh, and they shopped around and this and that. And it just, it just kind of all worked. But it was interesting because the last time I spoke to her was about this three years ago. Fast forward three years, the very next conversation is I've done it. And I'm like... I've done it, yeah. Oh man, hey, well, it was so well, cool. Yeah, I want to call that out. That's a,
0: Andrea, uh, Andrea. If you're listening in, well done to you. And you know, we're certainly one of the things we want to celebrate on this podcast is is those in our community that see an opportunity and and run run with it. So that that's a fantastic story. I love that. And and that's the thing. I'm sure um, as you've travelled around Australia to be able to, as you called out earlier in this uh, in this interview, you, you you get that opportunity to meet people and, and see the results of things that they've told you about and, and done, which, which must be very rewarding. Certainly, we, we love it and celebrate it at ICB. I noted uh, also earlier that um, obviously, and it's not in everybody's um, hitting zone, but public speaking is something you're quite comfortable with. And on your LinkedIn page, uh, you, you've got this amazing photo of you speaking at an event in Latvia. Can you give us
3: a bit of backstory on that? Pretty funny story. It's probably my best story, to be honest because it's the most random one. Like you almost, like, when's the Netflix doc? It's probably not that good, but when you, yeah. anyway. So I uh, I had just won, no, this was the year before. So I'd been announced as a nominee for thought leader of the year. So I didn't, I won the following year. So if you think the year before I won, it was 2016. I was still working yep. for Insured at the time. I was nominated for the award. i didn't get the something had happened and I ended up going on holiday. I went to, I want to say Port Douglas. No, it was White Wit Summer. What's that place off the east coast? The Whit Sundays. The Whit Sundays. Yeah, no, Hamilton Island. Yeah. Hamilton Island.
0: Hamilton Island. My right. mum and dad okay. were
3: celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary and they decided to fly all the kids together, kids and partners, to Hamilton Island. It some amazing, beautiful. I've got the photos. They're, they're fantastic. And when I was there, middle of the night, I should not have been working because I've been on holidays, but I opened my emails and I had this email that just said, uh, s- you know, speaking gig or speaker request, uh, Riga or something along those lines. And it was three in the morning and I've read it through and it was broken English. It, it very much read like a, uh, you know, I'm a prince from another country. I want to give you a lot of money. Like that was kind of the tone. <laughs> Of the emails, like, hey, you know, Trent, we've seen you online. We think you're great. We want you to come and speak at our conference. Uh, it's in September. We'll, we'll pay you, we'll fly you. Thank you so much. And at that point in my career, I really wanted to do more public speaking. I probably wasn't doing a lot then, but I wanted to do a lot more of it. So I yeah. replied, I said, hey, sounds great. If you can give me a little bit more information, I'd love to learn more about your event, but sounds awesome. Uh, let's do it. I hit send. And I didn't bother to check where Riga was. I didn't even look at it at all. But I, it said Riga and I was like, where the hell's Riga? I don't know. Three hours later, I woke up. I told my wife about it. I said, hey, Liz, you never believe it. I've got this thing. And she said, where is that? I said, I don't know. And I pulled up <laughs> on Google Maps and I zoomed in. I said, Riga. And I'm like, I don't know what these places either side of it are. Let's just zoom out a little bit. And I zoomed out a little bit more. And I was like, holy flip, that's Russia. Right there. And then that's that's Latvia. And then the next thing I realized it was only three weeks away. So it was like I had to go to Latvia. So this is the next fun part of the story. They didn't pay me up front. So I had to fund all of it, right? And this, you know, I'm twenty-six, we were uh, we, we live paycheck to paycheck because we we're young and reckless. And I've said I might have got my tax back at this point. I said, at Stafford, I'll do it. So I paid the money, it was two and a half grand. I left on the Tuesday took three flights. It's 33 hours. So you do Sydney to Singapore, Singapore to I want to say actually maybe Germany or... Yeah, probably Frankfurt maybe. Frankfurt, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frankfurt. Yeah, I've done that trip, yeah. Frankfurt to Helsinki, Mm -hmm. Helsinki to Riga, which is Latvia. So that was Mm. Tuesday. I landed on the, let's say the Wednesday, Thursday. I landed on Thursday. I spoke at the conference on the Friday I flew back to Australia on the Saturday and I got back to Australia on the Sunday. So I did 33 wow. hours each way and there was 48 hours in Riga. I felt like I was drunk slash jet lag the whole time. So when I actually did my talk, it would have been 3, 4 in the morning in Australia and I was their futurist thought leader speaker from Australia that had uh, another guy named Mark Holton had been out a few years before, and yeah, I know late. Mark. Yeah, so yep. Mark, I know Mark, found me years later. He said, "You know that conference you went to?" He's like, "Yeah, I've been to that one. I actually know the person and this and that." I was like, "No way!" It's just so it's yeah. so crazy. So that that was my Latvian story. So I random middle of the night emailed, "Do you want to come?" Yeah, I'll come. Just followed my nose. Like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure." Pay for it, whatever. I actually didn't get paid for that job until like six to nine months later. I had emailed, the oh. uh, and we we made it and figured it all out. But I messaged the lady that organized that said, oh, I don't know if you know, but your event company actually hasn't funded this yet. I've been trying to go back and forward. Nothing happened. She felt so bad about it. She, um, they, they, As soon as I let her know, which I should have just done originally, they, um, they funded it like the next day and then they actually flew me and my wife back for the next year and we both spoke at that conference. Wow. So my LinkedIn profile picture is actually from the second conference, me speaking on the stage wearing tie and ripped jeans. You probably can't see the ripped jeans part, but that was <laughs> uh, that was my second time in Latvia. So I did two, I did Latvia two years in a row. Still know that group of people really, really well. Uh, plan to go back at at some point. Uh, but yeah, that was my Eastern European. That is. Crazy! Watched the AFL grand final from Latvia because it was on that week. So I've got memories of me waking up at five, trying to find a streaming service to watch the footy. Uh, Richmond won that year, and yes, uh, we just got to do so many cool things like tra- you know traveling through Riga, doing all the the countryside, going to the beach—not quite the same as an Australian beach—and uh, meeting all these fantastic humans that. Just had so much appreciation for Australia, or just people that speaking because we speak English natively, naturally. Um, Eastern European, they speak Latvian, Lithuanian, Estonian, and broken English, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, your English is so good!" And uh, my one funny part, and I'll stop. The first time <laughs> I did it, I was sitting there. Everyone's wearing a headset because what I just said that they're Lithuanian, they're Estonian, they're Latvian. They've all got their own language, and there was a few Russian people there as well. So when I get up to do my talk, everyone's wearing headsets because they they needed a translator. So there's a translator at the back of the room translating every single word I said. Wow, i thought of two funny stories this part. And I would say something and I try to be quite funny. I tell jokes and that's just kind of who I am. It's my default when I don't think I'm doing a smart thing. I'll try and make everyone laugh and then follow up with a good point. And uh, the laugh was delayed. So like I'd say the thing and then I'd pause and there was nothing. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'd start laughing when I was talking. I was like, wait, I've missed it. And I realized it's because the translator delaying the conversation. Therefore, my jokes aren't landing on time. Therefore, my rhythms of <laughs> whack. And I started that session by saying I love uh, coffee, lattes, and beaches. I love beaches. They're great. They're sandy. They're this, that, and the other. And after the event, this lady comes up to me. She said, did when you said beaches, what did you mean by that? And I said like like sand, like ocean, like why? What did you think? And they said we thought you said bitches, yeah. And like and I was like, you thought I said sandy bitches? And they're like, yeah. And everyone was, I'm like, oh my goodness, like what a language breakdown. So um, I don't know what they think of me. That I yeah. Anyway, so that that was my uh, my my lost in translation. Uh, moment, That'd but an I,
0: experience. yeah,
3: I figured the translator should have got up and did the whole thing. I should have been giving him the yeah. recording. I could have sat in the box and just narrated, and he could have tried to put a spin on it. So. <laughs> uh, that,
0: that's brilliant. Uh, well, mate, uh, that that that's absolutely cold. That story. Um, I, I'm guessing, on a more serious note, obviously because of your experience, you've got a real heart for you know what's going on currently in, uh, especially in the Ukraine. I know. I've seen, you know, I'm a bit of a, a, a reader of the, 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 the political scenario over there and Latvia is a country that is, is quite vulnerable um, in the current situation. So I'm guessing you've got a real, uh, a real heart for what's happening there and, and certainly we, we've done it before, we'll give another shout outs. We, we've got connections through the ICB in the Ukraine and we're just, you know, praying and hoping that those guys are, are safe and well and, um, yeah, I'm sure that from your point of view it's something similar.
3: 100%. Yeah. We um, When we were in Latvia the second time, we uh, they'd organised a walking tour for us and they actually found an Australian to do the walking tour of Latvia and uh, we got to know the culture and the people and the history because for anyone that knows, I guess, but there's whilst Ukraine has also been back and forward as being part of Russia, not part of Russia, Latvia is also also been in that same boat where they've been part of Russia, not part of it. And you see these Russian statues and buildings and all these things that are there that they, um, go through, but, um, I actually have a good friend that's over in Ukraine at the moment, someone that works in the accounting industry on the tech side, he flew back, uh, a week before the war broke out because he wanted to go back and look after his family uh, and yep. get them and get them out. And he's still there today, like trying to help and, yeah. and do his thing. So, um, and he's very brave is the only word I would say, very brave and very proud of his country and what they they want to do. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of thoughts to um, Ukraine and and people like that. But, um, but yeah, so Vitaly is is the guy that I know that's over at the moment. He's done a lot of really cool things for the accounting industry in Australia, which is – he's already a great guy. But I think this just kind of elevated more of of who he he is and and how he treats his, you know, relationships and things. So, yeah, it's a sad time and hopefully – um, we like everyone. We want that to to end as as soon as we can, as peacefully as peacefully as possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I don't know if uh, Vitaly's is listening in, but uh, if he is, our thoughts were with him and his family, and uh, certainly we hope that he finds safe passage. And anybody involved, certainly in in bookkeeping, accounting in Ukraine, as we call out for the whole population of Ukraine, that uh, are the the unfortunate bystanders in in something that just. Yeah, I think is horrifying us all at the moment. But mate, uh, all good things have to come to an end, and we're gonna we're gonna close this one up. And as I promised at the start, you know we uh, you, you rattled off a few great opening balances of of where you live and favourite places, and that we're gonna hit with uh, three closing balances now to round this one out, because we're interested in in you the the, the person. Uh, this one's very very close to my heart because I'm about to head home and uh, and have some. But you get to choose your tea for tonight, what what would it be? If you if you go, I can have anything on the planet right now, what's it going to be for tea tonight?
3: I'll tell you what I actually had for dinner last night because I was with Matthew Addison and Leanne Berry in Sydney. So uh, yeah. we got to the Harry's pub in Sydney and they'd already ordered. We sat down and they had the delicious, most delicious-looking chicken parmigiana I had seen in a very long time now, in London, you can't order a chicken parmigiana. So I felt very neglected for about two years where I couldn't get a good parma. And no parmy? No, no, not like you could wow. try and make one, but it's just not a, it's just not what they do. And I don't hold it against but I do. But, I, yeah, I don't hold it against yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come so on, yeah, UK. Chicken, chicken parmigiana would be my uh, – my, go-to? A it's a pick, yeah. Every, yeah. every pub's got a yeah. palmer, and even a bad one's still a good time. Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I'm always the one that sits at the pub going, I go the chicken palmy or I go the peppered steak. Uh, I'm probably going to land on the peppered steak most times. But anyway, that's me. you come from a, a beef town like Harvey way back, you know, you sort of had one meat, three veg, and that's what it was all about. I think
3: it's the cheese, uh, or, the cheese and the, the battered crumb. That's what's getting me more than anything. It's the key. If you chuck <laughs> the cheese on the steak, I'd probably go for the steak.
0: Steak so. as well. All right. Second Closing Balance, we've got three of them. Uh, you're, you've been – you were nominated and then you won Thought Leader of the Year, um, which is, uh, having followed Accountants Daily for a long time, is an, a prestigious award and one that you want to hold proudly. I won't get you to uh, call that out. I'll do that. Is is there – a within that, is there a, a thought-leading book that you'd recommend, something that you've read that, you know, was impactful on you or is, is – uh, is more you go these days podcasts? Where, where have you landed with uh, recommendations for people to be inspired to be uh, to be encouraged?
3: There is a few good books. I had to think about it because it's been a while since I read one. But I actually find some of the best ideas and the innovations actually come from outside the industry. Like so, someone that comes outside the industry and says, "Why don't you try it like this?" And you're you're melding. It's when you go to like an Asian fusion restaurant, right? It's a bit of Australian, it's a bit of yeah. Asian, but you're getting the best of. Both, yeah, and yep. I actually think that's a lot of not to try and bang on about things that I do, but I actually think a lot of my strength has always been coming to try and tackle a problem in a different way that most people wouldn't have thought about doing it before, because I'm tackling yep. it from a sales, marketing, tech engine as opposed to whatever whatever that looks like. So yep. there's a, there is a really good book. There's a gentleman named Will Farnell based in the UK. He's a he's a legend. Like if you ever want to meet a guy in the UK to give you a good run of the, how the industry works and everything else. Will Farnell is one of those people and he wrote a book, um, funny story I'll, another another time, but uh, he wrote a book called, I think it's called The Future Firm and I'll double check, but if you call, if you look up Will Farnell, Future Will Firm. Farnell? Yeah, Future yep. Firm book or something along those lines, that's a really good book that articulates how they grew their uh, bookkeeping and accounting practice and, um, but it's the me- it's the methodologies. It's very customer centric. They do daily bookkeeping, so daily recs, and that they're all very right. big on it. And they talk about doing ba- uh, daily recs for their client so that they can have real time conversations all the time when it gets to the advisory uh, piece. Yes. So they yep. and they work all of their teams in pods of four. So pods of four that will look after a group of clients, and they've got they've got their own bar built into this this um, business. If you go and see it. But uh, huh. that was always an interesting point I found. I don't meet too many people that do weekly recs, let alone a daily a daily wreck. Um, yeah, yeah, so the Will Farnell
0: would be. Will Farnell, it. yep, get get on it, go and Google it, and uh, sounds like one that definitely within our community uh, could uh, could make a difference. The book is called the Digital Firm. Aha, uh-huh. The Digital Firm. Right. The Digital I'm onto firm. it. Uh, okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Write that far, down. Will the Farnell. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, got that one. If I had to give you one other book, it's a book called The Four, the O U R The Four yep. by Scott Galloway. He's right. a um, pre- uh, marketing professor, academic based in the US. He gets a lot of airtime on um, all the big media sites for his commentary and things like that. But he wrote a really interesting book about the four horsemen of the... Like the four horsemen is what he announces it on, but he's basically talking about Facebook, Apple, uh, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and I want to say maybe Microsoft is the fourth one, like the four big ones, and all the different ways that they impact the world, how they overlap and what that means for... It's a really thought-provoking book, yeah, and I love yeah. it. And it just gives you a really yeah. different perspective uh, yep. on on all of those bigger companies, especially when you look at the software vendors that we operate yep. with. And you think about all the data yep. they have got, yeah, payroll data and everything else, and then you know other ways that they potentially could leverage that in the future, especially as we become a more data centric world. I mean, we're are, mm. but imagine what mm. it will be in ten years' time.
0: Yep, no, okay, The Four. Right, I'm onto that one as well. I love that. We've called out uh, a fave of mine that was on YouTube a few years ago called The New Hustle. Uh, if you haven't gone and had a look at that, go and have a look at The New Hustle. It's amazing. Uh, that's, that's the story of, of three or four Australian companies and uh, how they uh, start-ups and how they've uh, made their way to success now. So to finish off with, uh, we mentioned about going home for tea. Uh, which I'll be doing soon. I'm also going to go home and finish a bit of binging on Netflix. You mentioned Netflix before. I'm on the I'm on the Last Kingdom, season five. Absolutely love the, that that uh, series. has been uh, it's caught me right up. What are you binging on Netflix? If you're binging, what what's what what go to when you're not
3: watching footy or sport? Which uh, I know you're right across. It's a a timely question because I've been obsessed with Drive to Survive lately, which is the Formula One documentary. Yeah. And I'm absolutely spewing that I'm not in Melbourne this weekend. And everyone, every other person I speak to this week is like, oh, I'm going to Melbourne or I'm about to be in Melbourne. I'm like, oh, stupidly. I'm like, what are you doing in Melbourne? It's like, I'm going to the Grand Prix. And I just swear really quickly. I'm like, ah.
0: Damn it! Especially with a name like McLaren, jeepers, you know. I know. I know. We've you got, have
3: your own shirt for that one. I, so I actually am a McLaren fan, but I think it's because I don't know that I could go for anyone else, knowing that the uh, Mc, the McLaren actually has a car. So, uh, but we also have Daniel Ricciardo, the Australian, which is uh, which is a good time. So it's good uh, curse yeah, boy. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
0: he is, yeah. Yeah, Drive to Survive, yeah, if you haven't had a look at that, that's an absolute ripping. It's You don't have to be a sports nut to even uh, embrace no. that one. It's it, There's a lot of good stuff in there.
3: Asked me two months ago, I didn't even like Formula One. I'm obsessed yeah. now. Like I'm ready to yeah. go to every single track and race. Monaco is high on my list. Vegas next year, 100%. Like I'm, I'm very excited I'm by the idea of um, – and I think, what have I been doing this whole time if I've not liked it or seen it? <laughs>
0: I'm with you. I'm exactly the same. It wasn't until I watched the first drive to survive that uh, that got me right in. And now I, I'll be sitting on the couch on, on the weekend watching the race. So uh, probably by the time this pod comes out, we'll know who the winner was. But uh, hopefully it's a, it's a uh, one-two for McLaren. That's who I'm on. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Hey, it would be All like- right, mate. Well, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Look, mate, I want to just uh, say thank you. For uh, taking your time out today, we really, really appreciate it. We really appreciate, from an ICB perspective, um, the time and effort that uh, you and the Divi Pay team have put in to go around Australia. I didn't see you in Melbourne last week for, for various reasons, but you had a team there. The I think we um, called her out, the dancing girl. I'm not sure uh, if
3: I've forgotten her name already, no, which is pretty bad of me. Definitely, but, uh, definitely, Marianne or Maz. Uh, yes, Maz is the life yep. of every party you know you you'll know when you've met maz that's the way i always say it because she's fantastic she's a bundle of energy and uh yeah she's dancing on tables like that's what maz does she
0: she definitely was and uh, we had a lot of fun so uh good on you mate thank you for joining us on heart of the bookkeeper we hope you stay safe and well in this crazy world that we're all in at the moment and uh we're we're thrilled that um that Trent McLaren and Divi Pay in particular are uh, working closely with the ICB and its members to make the bookkeeping community just that, uh, that better place to be. So cheers, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. A big thank you to Trent McLaren for that interview. We absolutely loved the fact that you were able to join us and uh, share with us your growing passion and your understanding of, of the bookkeeping community here in Australia and some funny stories along the way as well. We wish you all the very best in the future, Trent. And to to everybody who has tuned into this episode and enjoyed the sounds of Summit 2022, we hope that that has enriched you in some way. We so look forward to events coming up as we come out the other end of this uh, this couple of years, it's been very, very challenging. Um, and we we just want to say thank you for tuning in to Heart of the Bookkeeper, and we love your heart.